podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. G'day friends, I'm James and welcome to the Australian Opinion on Formula One here at the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. In this very special episode, I chat with Juan Pablo Montoya. I'm joined by Juan Pablo Montoya. Juan, so great to have you on the podcast. Welcome back to Australia. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's been a while, actually. It's Has it been, been a while? A, yeah. I think it was 2006, last time I came to Australia. Goodness. Yes, it's too far. It's, it's beautiful, but it's way too far. <laughs> That's what we say about Europe. <laughs> and anywhere else. And anywhere else. <laughs> Although you can get a direct flight to South America from Sydney. so Can you? Yeah. I don't know. I live in Europe, so... Well, there you go. Well, you can also almost get a direct flight to Europe too. Yeah, 20-something hours, yeah. Uh, yeah, as as you know, it does take big adjusting. And the good news is the time zones change on Sunday again. Did you know that? I, I heard, yeah, yeah, we were looking at that. So I guess for, Sunday's going to be hard because do we get an extra hour of sleep? You or? do, yes. Oh, that's good because the race is like 9 in the morning. And we're looking at it and it's like, it's still kind of dark at 8. Yeah. Well, the reason that you're here, let's talk about Sebastian because he's sitting over here. The reason that you're here the first time since 2006 is because the junior series of Formula 3 and Formula 2 are finally racing at Albert Park. I saw a brilliant photo actually of you on the grid the other day holding an umbrella for Sebastian. How does it feel now being on that side, being a dad of a driver? That's good. It's, yeah, I mean, uh, time changes and everything, but it's good. It's it's fun to to be around him and, and and follow his steps now and and be able to give him a hand that I think is quite important and and yeah it's pretty simple yeah okay well let's we'll come back to him in a little bit what I'd love to do is I found an Australian connection in your early career which was F3000 and you were partnered alongside Craig Lowndes who's Craig Lowndes, yeah. a very much loved yeah very much loved Australian uh, tell us about that year it was the first year in F3000 wasn't it I think for both of us was the first year and yeah he was with I think he was like Tom Walkinshaw's like uh, you know bright start of his future star and funny enough we raced for Helmut Marko that year really yeah, we lived in Austria, and and the team was was Marco RS and Marco. Yeah, it was Helmut, you know, Red Bull Helmut Marco. Wow, that would have been incredible. To, what was he like back then? Was he as same as, as, as changed <laughs> at all? <laughs> he, he seems more relaxed now. Helmut, like he seems a lot more relaxed. Um, we laugh about things that we went through and stuff. We're even like it's funny because he wanted to talk to Sebastian in in Bahrain. Mm. And I said, you need to go alone. Like, we walk with him with the paddock and said, you, you go and talk to him. It's your problem. <laughs> uh, and when he was done, he called us over. I'm like, oh, you know, just say hi. But, you know, I, I want him to understand that his relationship with him, it's his problem, not mine. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. If he's got an issue, he can come to me. But it's important for them to have their own relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we were laughing about all, all the things that happened back in the day. And it's amazing how sharp he is. He remembers everything. I still do as well, but he remembers everything. It's incredible. What were your junior years like in F3000? Uh, 3000 were really good before that. It was, you know, I had good years and bad years, you know. In, in Vauxhall, uh, the second part of the season was good. 
but it was very different because there were all the championships were based by country. Mm. You know what I mean? And then it got bigger when you went to 3000, like an F2 today. You know, they changed the name, but it's basically the same championship. Uh, before the F2, everything was like the British F3 and the German F3 and the Italian and the French and the Spanish and the Japanese, blah, blah, blah. And then everybody got together for the Masters and Macau. Yeah. Was there a moment back then when you sort of thought, okay, I'm actually pretty good at this, I'm pretty quick, and you put Formula One in your mind as where you were going? Actually, 97, the year I raced with Craig, we had a really good year, but I thought that was my last year racing. Really? Yeah. We what had happened? No, we had no more money. We were out of money. We had, you know, we were in a tough situation, and, and I was lucky enough to get a test with Williams, and, and I did really well. So, I mean, nothing has changed in that respect to today in terms of money. Yes, some drivers come through on credibility, but especially for F2 it's not a, and F3, it's not a cheap championship to take part on. What, what was it about the Williams test that made you different from the others? What was the success? Was it just pure pace or was yeah, it other just things pure as well? pace. It's funny because they made a, a written test and I was probably the worst one at it <laughs> because I didn't ask anything about the car because, you know, I thought everything was a major secret. So I never asked about tire pressures. I never asked about anything. And then in the test, they ask a lot of those things. And I didn't know, I didn't know anything. <laughs> but, you know, I got in the car and I was quicker than anybody else. So. Yeah, I'm sure that's all that Frank really cared about. It's- yeah, you know, n- nowadays there's a lot of preparation. Thing. It's very different nowadays, you mm. know. And nowadays, like, you know, like I'll give you an example, like Seth for here. He's done a ton of laps in the simulator. He had a ton of preparation with the team, a ton of preparation with Red Bull, a ton of meetings, things. You know, they 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 learn a lot. They understand a lot. Like the knowledge, like the, the tire model, how it works, how they develop everything, how you need to drive the car, how you need to prepare the laps, how you. It's like the amount of things they and and the amount of documents they gotta do nowadays. I would have been a terrible driver nowadays. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like I can, if if you tell me you have a problem, I can find you the solution, and I'm really good at it. I'm, you know, I can drive a car really fast, and and I'm really good technically to thinking outside the box and figuring mm. out the problem. Do you think also because there's such a shift now in social media and access to younger drivers, that's better than any any ever period in time? Does that make a big difference too? Because there's more distractions as well as more work to do that makes it harder to be a driver now than compared to the late 90s, early 1000s? Um, it's different. You know, now everybody, you know, everybody with the social media, everybody's happy, everybody, you know, is friends with everybody. In my time, you just got to beat them. You didn't care whether they liked you or not. Yeah. So I fit it right in. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, look, there's plenty out there in terms of everyone says that you're fast and uh, I think I read unpredictable and ruthless and all of these words. Were you Did, did that sort of tie into care. what you wanted to do or you didn't really care? Uh, honestly, the, back in the day, the more the reputation you were uh, crazy and stupid, the easier it was to pass people and race people because... Wow. People knew you were committed. It's almost a golden era of racing when you ended up 
in Formula One. Yeah, yeah, lucky enough. It's an incredible period of time. And I know that you've said in the past that you could have had a longer career in Formula One, but you chose not to. Yeah. What do you reflect on your really bloody successful years? It really has to be said in Formula One. You had plenty of victories. You had some amazing overtakes. I, I watched just before we came here today your overtake on Michael Schumacher where you put it up on the inside and he wasn't expecting it. Uh, how yeah. does it feel? Yeah, honestly, I don't even think about it. Nowadays, yeah, right. uh, I mean, you look back at it and I think it's really cool, but, you know, like the way my mind works is, like I'll give an example, like our my, my warriors right now are him. Mm-hmm. Uh, ELMS that I'm racing with him actually we're racing together with Hendrik Hedman wow with a bronze yeah so that's gonna be a lot of fun through the year and I look after a couple of kids in wanting cars and wanting karting and you know that's my, how my mind is spent I don't I don't look and I, I never race for the trophies mm. you don't race for the trophies you you just like at least I didn't, and in his way, I think it's a little bit like that. It's because you just want to beat everybody, and you want to do better, and you need to prepare better, and you know, you want to make sure you don't leave anything on the table. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? Whether you, you know, not every week you're gonna be the quickest guy, not every week you're gonna be the best guy. You just need to understand what you're missing, what do you need to do, and what you're missing. So, is it more about for Seb then smoothing out the highs and lows of success and maybe failure to just be learning all of the time? Um, no, yeah, I mean, of course you want success and you need to do your job and, but you, it's a process and, and you know, when, when he's been happy and comfortable in the car, he can win races. He needs, he can get the job done and you know, his race craft is really good and everything. There's always details to make better, but, you know, I think he understands where what he needs to work on, and uh, and right now he's in a really good place. Like it's like his maturity is incredible, and and it's really good to see. If we could go back to your debut in Formula One because it was here in Australia, do you remember much of that day in two thousand and one? Yeah, well, I remember about the race that it felt like I was qualifying. Like I was, you know, I came from, I did a couple, remember I was a test driver yes. with Williams and I went a couple of years to America. Well, you know, we came here and raced in the Gold Coast and everything. Yep. And then when I came in from one, you know, I, in my mind was, okay, full push and qualifying. And then the race, you manage the tires, you manage the race a little bit. And, and it wasn't like that. It was, you know, nowadays you need to manage a lot of the tires and everything back in the day is like, just push. Um, you know, I started the race and I'm like, you know, pushing, you know, within reason and everybody's driving away from me. I'm going, what the hell? Then you yeah. start pushing more and you start pushing more and you start pushing more and uh, you feel like you're freaking qualifying. Lap after lap after lap after lap, you qualify and it's like, what the hell? It's like they're ne- never letting go, you know what I mean? And I finally get to a point that is like just qualifying lap after qualifying lap after qualifying lap and then... The pace started getting quite good and, and then the engine blew up. <laughs> yes, which it had a habit of doing, unfortunately, for you. Yeah, the, the reliability back in the day wasn't as good as nowadays. You know, the mm-hmm. engines were designed for 400 Ks. So they, they were not engines that were built for, I don't know, do, I don't know how many Ks they do nowadays, two, 3,000 Ks per engine. 
Um, and now they have power units and all that stuff, you know what I mean? The, the electronics and everything is, is a different animal, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? I think yeah. you understand where they come from with a lot of the safety things. Um, but I think, in my opinion, sometimes some of the things are a bit of an overkill, but it's it's what it is. Yeah. Do you think then looking back at what was an interesting start, as you said, because you're pushing and pushing, pushing for qualifying lap, do you think that because of your time in the US that it was different for someone like Fernando Alonso or Kimi Raikkonen who had come up through the junior series in this in a mentality way of just pushing all the time? Or do you think for them yeah, also it's same. Like learning? Yeah, it's the same. You know, I mean, I, I had a lot more experience than them when we because we all three started the same year. Mm. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't terrible. It was it was good. You know, I mean, we did what we needed to do. And, you know, through the year, we we're quite competitive and it was good. There's a lot of conversation around older drivers and for a long time older drivers meant late 20s which was ridiculous no, if you think about it that you know if you look at it the way i looked at it i was gonna turn 32 and i had the way i looked at it, i had like three more years left in f1 yeah uh so for me to stay in f1 with some you know a team i didn't want to be or somewhere where it was mid-pack made no sense yeah so uh, I could extend my career in America, and I did. I felt like I'm still racing. Yeah, you are, <laughs> which so. is incredible. Uh, and it is a joy to watch, honestly. What is it then, or what do you think then about Fernando Alonso? Because, I mean, Aston Martin seemed like a pretty interesting move. You know, he has a habit of making pretty bad decisions when it comes to jumping across the teams. And so, I mean, he's coming to Australia two podiums in a row, <laughs> two thirds no, in a it's row. Good. It's good. It's really good. You know what I mean? I think Aston did a mega job putting the new car together and, you know, you get to give it to them. You know what I mean? Uh, it's got to be hard. Like, it's a hard pill to swallow for a team like Mercedes and everybody else. You know, everybody else on a Mercedes engine is looking at them and going, what the hell? You know, same time, you look at, I think Williams made a big step. It's interesting because when you talk to the guys at Williams, I said, oh, we don't feel like we're making a, you know, like we're, we're not moving anywhere. And I think they, they made a major step. That is, it was really good to see. Uh, so it's an interesting year, you know, like for, for you guys, you know, you have Oscar this year with, you know, with uh, McLaren, that is an interesting choice. And, you know, it, it should be should be fun. You know, he's done a good job. He's, he's brought good speed. And I think through the year, he should get a lot better. Because mm. remember, he's, he was sitting for a year. So what is it then about Formula 1 now that you think people are really getting around? Is it only just Netflix's drive to survive or is no, it more? I think the, the Netflix thing was a big thing because it showed everybody the inner working of Formula 1. Mm. Because one of the things with Formula 1 is as people don't really have any access to it, it was like, a lot of people didn't understand it, especially younger people didn't. It's like, what's the big deal of cars going fast? But when you see all the drama behind it and everything that happens behind it, it's amazing. You know, I'm, I'm, you look at Gunter, you know, Steiner, he's a good friend of mine and, 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 and it's great. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't really, I watched a couple of episodes of the whole thing. But, like, my daughter watches, like, she sits down. Every time it comes out, she sits down and watches every freaking episode. <laughs> and she loves it. And she loves coming to the races. 
she understands how everything works and, and it's really cool. NASCAR and IndyCar are equally as brilliant in a lot of ways. Yeah, in their own way. What what do you th- what would you say to someone who was maybe in Australia, maybe a little bit fed up with V eight supercars, which is our local series, and watching? I think Formula the V eight is pretty cool. It is pretty cool, but it is changing a lot. Yeah, but the the changes are not a bad change, is it? Like for what you, the problem is uh, people. I don't get this. I don't, I don't get what's the drama with the changes when they come up with new cars and new things. It's you need to move on with the times, you mm. know. It's like they've done better jobs. The cars are better, and and you know, what I mean, it's it's what it is. And the problem is, I think a lot of the bad press comes personally from the older guys and mm. the older drivers that don't want the change. Mm. You know, they're so used to driving a certain type of car, and they're being good at that certain type of car. Then when things change and the car doesn't drive the way they expected, they're gonna go, oh, "This isn't." I don't get why they change it. This is terrible. Yes, that is. Yeah, that's what's happening. That is very true. Yes. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I haven't heard anything about it, but I would assume there is. There I've is, been around long enough to understand how this works. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I think that's absolutely, absolutely fair enough. Uh, one of the questions I was going to ask is about NASCAR and how, and how exciting it is. Because in Australia, we don't get a lot of exposure to IndyCar or to NASCAR. Yeah. What is it about those series for you that interests you? So NASCAR, it's... It's like imagine like the you know the V8s here kind of the same thing, but in uh it's based on ovals, not on road courses. It's the same thing, and the ovals are so much fun. People, you know, when you ask somebody, it's a little bit like the F1 when people mm-hmm. didn't understand it. I think if people could see how technical driving an oval is, how many different lines there is, how much technique. Is needed to be good at them uh, and how long the races are. And one of the hard things with the races being so long is as you go through the race, how the balance changes. It, it, it's a lot of that, you know, I did turn left, oval, but it feels like there's so much more to it. And it's interesting. Yeah, the and it's the same thing, you know, like if I watch a V8 race, uh, you know, when you're watching from a one, you probably don't find it that interesting. It, yeah, it's a cool race, but, you know what I mean, but. If you're in the middle of it and you understand and and you know the players, mm. like I think it's real. I think what the Netflix did as well, it created personas mm. of everybody, of all the drivers and the personalities, and people started liking some drivers and hated and others. And you know whether I always said whether they like you or hate you, it's fine as long as they do either one. You know, you need to worry that they, they don't pay attention. Mm, yeah, that's a good and, point. Um, I think the V8 series, it's an amazing series here in Australia and, and they do a mega job. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, I know, like, as you said, Craig was a, Lowndes was a big, you know, was a big star here with them and Ambrose as well at its time. And, I, you know, I raced against Marcus for a few years in NASCAR and everything. So that's been fun. Yeah. Well, look, you've got so many wonderful Australian connections. Looking forward then, what is your plan for this year and what are your hopes for Seb for F3? Well, we do LMS together and and that's the only racing I'm doing. And, our, you know, for Seb, our hope it's, you know, through the year to, you know, I mean, be more competitive, start trying, you know, get some, you know, hopefully some wins, podiums and, and just keep scoring points. You know, this is a, a points game the way these championships are won and 
I think we're gonna we got enough pace to to have a shot at it. So at the end of the day, it's in his hands, and we do the, as much as we can to prepare him as well as we can, and that's it. Well, fingers crossed that it all goes well for for you both and for Seb. And F3, maybe F2 next year. Who knows what happens? It, it can go year to year to year so quickly. Things can change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, don't, we don't worry about it at the moment. Like, we focus on what we're doing right now. And probably July or something, you start looking at it and say, okay, what do we need to do next year? Well, Juan, thank you very much. I really appreciate thank our you. very quick chat. Uh, all the best for this weekend and uh, looking forward to maybe seeing you back in Australia next year in a, maybe a different Absolutely. championship. <laughs> all right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, mate. Well, a massive thank you to Juan Pablo Montoya and to Sebastian Montoya for their time here in Melbourne ahead of the Grand Prix this weekend. If you enjoyed our chat please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a rating or review. We love doing this kind of content with the Australian point of view on Formula One here for you, the listener, all over the world, wherever you're listening. But that's it for this episode. We'll see you next time on Lakeside Drive. Sports Social Podcast Network.